All right, welcome back, everybody. This is the Slapshot Sammy podcast, the new name now officially on Spotify. My name is Sam Nessler. I am your host. Today, my guest is Warren Neal. What's going on, man? Not much. Just stoked to be back on. Now, Spotify official, can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's it's funny how easy it is to do it, so I'm not going to get too excited about it, but it does it does put a stamp on it. Uh, we got our first 10 downloads of one of our episode, episodes, so we're, uh, we're... It's not just us in an echo chamber anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we got some good topics. Um, but I did want to start off with something a little more, uh, a little more somber, a little sad news here. Just wanted to to make note of it. Uh, we lost a couple legends today in the hockey world. First, Mark Pavlich from the 1980 Miracle Team. Um, he's had some issues, with mental health stuff going on the last few years. He actually rested a year or two ago for assault, um, and they into him to see he might have some CTE and issues so a lot of a lot of rough stuff going on but it looked like he was making progress and actually was able to get into a a pretty low-key uh you know rehab facility and just this past week he was found dead uh no no news on how he passed away or anything like that but that's a rest in peace to him that's a sad loss um what a difference he made for that 1980 team huh yeah oh my gosh i mean just a stud of a hockey player but it's just you know it's sad and players you know they're human too and i think a lot of people have a lot of stuff going on that doesn't always come to the forefront so it's it's interesting to see things like this happen and it's just a terrible situation but hopefully you know we can kind of grow as a community going forward yeah and it's it's interesting too with something that I'll, I'll probably want to talk about deeper in another another episode but it's tough to be someone who's known for one thing you know that's tough mentally to be that that guy from that game you know and that's and that's that's it. You know, especially if you not saying any of these guys did, I'm just saying if imagine if you were a, you know, it's kind of like the Disney star thing where you're known for one thing and then you go on the rest of your life and you're, you're just trying to be normal, but you're that guy always, you know, you're always that guy when people see you and you probably get sick of talking about it and sick of being known as that. Um, so that's probably a, a mental challenge. You know, we can get deeper into that kind of stuff later on, but the other legend we lost this week was Walter Gretzky, the, the father of the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, died at 82 after battling Parkinson's disease. Um, he wasn't a, a pro hockey player. He played for a while in juniors and, and around the, the country, but he was known as the the mentor and the coach for Wayne Gretzky, who brought him so many things and taught him everything he knew, um, was his biggest fan. He actually made a shrine. I don't know if you've heard this story. He made a shrine for Wayne Gretzky uh, in his house, and apparently, a few years back, they uh, it was robbed, and so oh it was estimated that someone stole over five hundred thousand dollars worth of Wayne Gretzky memorabilia from his dad's house, uh, which is wild. But then a couple years later, they recovered about three quarters of it uh, and arrested the guy that did it. So <laughs> it was a good, somewhat of a happy ending to that, but definitely a sad loss uh, for Wayne. I think he said he was eighty-two, so. Lived a good life, but lost a couple legends this week, so definitely wanted to call that out um, before we got started here. But let's jump in now to the topics we have. Uh, so I want to start today with something that has been on my mind since the the Tahoe game a few weeks ago. Um, I want to talk outdoor games because you know we the outdoor games came into the league uh, a few years back. Now um, I think the first one was two thousand three. 
uh, because yeah. of the first Winter Classic being in 2008. So everyone that I know is a big fan of these, and they're super fun to watch. Um, they're fun to go to if you can go to one. What is your take on the outdoor games in general? I just think it's such a good, I mean, venue first and foremost, you know, for so many people that play hockey, I think it just revolves around the outdoors. Really. Like that's where a lot of people started playing and kind of the roots of the game are there. And so I think bringing it back to that. And obviously I think it's just an amazing experience. You know, you hear every single player, coach, anyone, part of it, like fans too. It's just, it's such a special kind of thing. And I just, I'm so glad that they've increased it. You know, the prevalence is a lot higher. It's, it's just so, I mean, I wish I've never been to one. I know you have, I know you're going to talk about it, <laughs> but I just, I just think it's amazing. You know, I remember seeing the first one, 2003, I think, and it was just so cool. And, and actually like in high school, I was lucky enough to play in some outdoor games too, uh, like actual like high school hockey games. And those were just really cool as well. So I think it's just an amazing app venue. And I think really good for the sport as growth and just like for everybody that's a fan. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned that because something cool they do now. I don't know how long this dates back. I didn't. I didn't find you know any stats on that. But for at least the late the last five six years, they also have other teams play in those games after the Winter Classic. So I know that my high school Chatham played at, at City Field after the Rangers played in the Winter Classic. Um, I saw Michigan or Minnesota. <clears throat> excuse me, Minnesota played in the. Uh, in their stadium university of minnesota played after the wild played in one of their outdoor games so they have some high school some college games um you know michigan played michigan state in the big house like there's they're making a lot of use of it and like you said it's a dream for everybody i mean i can't imagine being i'm just picturing myself being a senior in high school and getting to play at city field outdoors in front of you know five thousand ten thousand people that's an incredible memory that you'll never forget um on top of the NHL doing such a great job with the outdoor games. And I agree with you hundred percent. I think they're awesome. I think they're, they're super fun to watch. They're super fun to play in for the players, whether it's never going to be perfect, whether or not it's, yeah. it's a perfect day. And you know, like this is the, the last, last year, the stars game, um, they had a perfect day. They had a 45 and cloudy day, which is exactly what you need. Um, <laughs> as we know from a few weeks in ago, Dallas. It, yeah, it's not always like that. So um, but the cool thing about it is they started out in, in Buffalo. So Montreal Edmonton was the first outdoor game overall. Uh, but the first winter classic was Pittsburgh against Buffalo in Buffalo. If you look at the list of the games, it took a while before they try, took a risk to go somewhere else because they were nervous. I'd be nervous to go play a game in California or Texas yeah. or, you know, other places. And the first real risk was that, uh, stadium series between the ducks and the Kings at Dodger stadium, which, yeah. it didn't work out very well. Uh, the game ended up being played, but there was a ton of issues with the ice. And I mean, it was like 70 degrees or something crazy like that. Um, so it's cool to see though, that they're stretching now playing in, in California and Texas and all over the place. And it's just going to keep going Lake Tahoe being the most recent, um, example of that. So I want to talk about some venues and some of the better games that happened. Um, so some that come to mind, venues, I'm just going to list off a few big name venues. They played at the Cotton Bowl, Notre Dame Stadium, Lake Tahoe this year, Fenway Park, uh, Michigan Stadium, the Big House, Yankee Stadium, the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Wrigley Field, obviously tons of, of Canadian locations. Um, and it's just been really cool to see now with Tahoe that it can be in all different areas as well. It doesn't have to be in a stadium. So 
now there's all kinds of options of where they can go, unlimited potential for what they can do. Um, but why don't you tell me what is, what are some of or your favorite games um, that you can remember? I mean, first and foremost, you got you got to say it right. It's Fenway Park. It's Fenway Park. Yeah, you know, Fenway Park. The Bruins. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my favorite of all time was the first one, the Heritage Classic in 2003. I was a huge uh, Jose Teodor fan at the time. He, like, wore the beanie, you know, and you're like, what is this goalie doing wearing a beanie? <laughs> and the game was, like, a close game. I think Montreal ended up winning, like, 4-3. to three. Um, And then, like, I remember Ryan Smith, just, you know, that old kind of real great hockey two-way player, had just an amazing game. And Horkoff, like, all those Oilers players were just amazing. Um, and then, you know, to the college game, I, I think that there was the uh, Michigan michigan state game and there was like a lot of nhlers that played in that and that that time it was like 54 some you know astronomic number like the most that had ever been to a hockey game ever i think um which was just so cool you know for the game and to speak for you know the city there but you know like ryan miller and mike camilleri were all playing in that game so I, i just think that you know the first one in the big house was pretty cool those are two that come to mind i i think a place that would be really cool to open it up to would be somewhere like Lake Placid, you know, that has the kind of 1980, you know, thing and it's in New York. And I think that would be cool to bring it back, but who knows? It's really exciting to think about where it could be and then where it's been too. So, yeah, I, it's funny. You mentioned Lake Placid. My, my friend from high school just told me they played in a pond hockey tournament in Lake Placid this weekend. Um, there was like 10 rinks, obviously it was one big, you know, lake or pond and they've built up like 10 different rinks. So I'm sure there's plenty of areas over there in, in freezing Lake Placid yeah. that they could do something like that. Um, especially now that they're not worried about having 80,000 people in there. Um, so I agree that would be something cool. Um, and that, that I, I had forgotten that heritage classic, uh, Theodore, Theodore was the first one to wear the beanie. Uh, I, yes. I thought Ryan Miller was the first one in the, in the Buffalo game, but, um, that's such a, such a funny look. And there's been tons of funny ones since then. I know Pasternak was wearing sunglasses in the, in the warmups of this game. Uh, Tahoe, one of the players, I wish I can try to remember. It might've been uh, Grubauer for Colorado was wearing sunglasses during the game under his goalie helmet. And yeah. it's, that's such a, it's such a funny thing because the eye black at first was like, Oh, that's so weird watching hockey players wear eye black. Now it's just evolved yeah. to beanies and sunglasses and some games they're wearing the full, you know, face cover for, for the cold. And so it's a fun thing. Cause it brings you back to when you just put on whatever you could to be warm and play as long as you can without having to go home. And that's what yeah. it's all about, you know? So, um, but I agree. Those are, those are some good games that my, my favorite one is the one you brought up, uh, the Michigan stadium one, the big house, biggest crowd ever to watch a hockey game, mm-hmm. 105,000 people, which is insane. I cannot imagine. I mean, I was at the winter classic last year in Dallas with 84. Um, yeah. And it was so incredibly loud especially when they scored the winning goal. I cannot imagine the, the sound that went through that Michigan stadium um, with 25,000 more people in it. Uh, yeah. so that, that game was incredible. I uh, just rewatched the highlights like three more times this week while I was thinking about it. The snow <laughs> was coming down so hard. It was an, a huge snowstorm. The, if you watch the, the full game, they had to stop like every three or four minutes to shovel <laughs> off because I mean, you can't play with a lot of snow because it's dangerous. It's not just like, yeah. you know, the puck's going to slow down. You look in the crease and the goalie's literally standing in snow. It's like he has to so push crazy. it aside so he can move. And the, the players were fighting the puck the whole time. Every time there was a breakaway or anything, the guy's like 
sliding it with him doesn't want to stick handle and lose it so he's just kind of pulling it like he was a you know a first year hockey player just dragging the puck down the ice um yeah the game itself was super slow because you couldn't go that fast um and then you also had the two of i think the coolest jerseys in the history of the outdoor game and it might just be because it was uh the original six teams but they had the leafs and the red wings had awesome old school looking the red wings had that kind of off tinted red um and with all the stripes and the old school logos and it, i just love those jerseys the leafs just anytime the leafs put white stripes on their uniforms for some reason i just love them they look awesome and then yeah. howard um howard and bernier both had the brown like old school looking like they looked like the old pads back in the day so overall just a great sight to see um and then the game itself was incredible the game itself was back and forth mm-hmm. the whole way um they ended up tying it late and then unfortunately it wasn't three on three overtime yet we hadn't gotten there at that point so it was four on four so the overtime itself was somewhat exciting but nothing crazy i can't imagine what it would have been in three on three um and then the leafs ended up winning it in the shootout and just a a great game that's my favorite one of all time um i'd say second would be the cotton bowl last year um i'm biased to it both with the stars and the fact that i was (laughs) at it but you can't I not even me being a stars fan can say that that game was better than this one looking at the the scene like I said it was it was great weather the game was great but there was no snow and and original six teams and 105,000 that game was the the most um the second most ever the Cotton Bowl game second to the Michigan Stadium game so there's been some really good ones um in the back in the day but for weather the other one that i think of is the first one for weather the buffalo pittsburgh one was such an awesome welcome into the winter classic yeah because it was also a huge snowstorm the whole time um that they had to stop get the whole shovel crew out there uh crosby ended up scoring the the shootout winner and even his goal he he admitted that he just lost the puck and it went through the file of the goalie (laughs) he didn't even shoot it um so that was a great one too but those are two of the big ones for weather. Um, looking at some stats, most goals scored in the Winter Classic is 10 total. Um, the most by one team is seven, which has happened three times. Um, and most recently was Boston-Philly in this this last one. The only kind of close one was Chicago-Detroit, which was six to four um, mm-hmm. back in the – in I can't remember what year. but So there's been some awesome games. The, the thing that people are talking about is – would you choose to watch an outdoor game or an all-star game? Oh, geez. Honestly, I think I just love the outdoor. I mean, I love the all-star game for, you know, the, the community and seeing guys like mic'd up and <clears throat> just chirping at each other and having fun. But I, I just think the outdoor, I'd rather see an outdoor game just because the competition is that much higher and it, they're dealing with the elements and I, and it's just, you know, it matters more, I think, which is why it's a lot cooler. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The The All-Star game has gone you? pretty much downhill, too. If you look at, you know, maybe because we've been growing up, too. I mean, I used to love it. I used to be, that was my favorite time of the year watching those games. It also used to be a little more serious. They used to, like, check each other and stuff back in the All-Star <laughs> game. Um, it's nothing like baseball where they give them home field advantage for the World Series, which is <laughs> the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, yeah, but yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I think the all-star game now is kind of fading and, and fading more and more out and they did a good job making it now three on three. So it drew people back in, 
making some of the skills kind of weird and out there. They got the mascot games and dodgeball and, you know, they're trying their best and they're doing a good job. But I agree. I think the, the outdoor game is is much better. But we've officially hit 32 outdoor games, which is incredible to think. Um, yeah. Between Winter Classics, Heritage Classics, Stadium Series, all those different events. Um, and I just want to give an honorable mention to that game at the Naval Academy um, in Annapolis. I think it was Washington and Pittsburgh, um, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And that was just such a cool thing. They had, you know, the flyovers and the similar to this year where a soldier had the, delivered the puck and there's just all kinds of cool stuff. So that's another one that that sticks out. But let's move on now to the next topic. Um which actually kind of goes with the outdoor games because a lot of these guys we're going to mention here played in these original outdoor games. <laughs> but let's talk veterans. Um, I talked in one of the podcasts that you were not in, I think it was the second episode, about veterans that should have hung up the skates earlier than they did. So I want to flip the script there and talk about veterans that are still killing it. Um, and I want to say preface this by saying that veterans is a loose term, especially in the NHL, because you can be 29 years old and have one season in the NHL, or you could be 29 years old and have 10 seasons in the NHL. So veterans to us are the people that you know that have been in the NHL for 10 years. They're, they're names that everybody knows. Um, so I just wanted to, to preface that first. But if you were to say, like, just give me some names of people. Uh, we'll, we'll dig deeper into who our top, you know, top two are. But who are some, some big names that are still killing it right now in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, the father time, like Joe Thornton, you know, who's the gray beard speaks for itself. And then some guy, you know, like Ovechkin Crosby are just such staples and corners of the game. Uh, Zidane Chara, like you can't miss him. And he's still putting up points in Washington. And then I think some on the goalie side, you know, a lot of goalies peak late. So there's some older guys that, you know, maybe not they're peaking, but guys like Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Tuka Rask, obviously still doing well. Even Jonathan Quick, uh, although L.A., he doesn't have a much, as much in front of him, but. Those are some guys that just come to mind. Um, but I know, you know, it's cool to see some of those guys still putting up points and, and even just turning it around some of these seasons, which is so cool. Yeah, and it, it's funny to see the there's kind of a layer of difference. There's there's guys that are like, okay, yeah, they're still doing it. You know, like I would put Jonathan Quick. He's right on the line because he's he's I think he's still a really good goalie. He's just had a terrible team <clears throat> for a few years. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't you don't really see it. But there's there's a line of the guys who are still playing and the guys who are still playing at a high level. Um, and some of these yeah. guys that are on this list, you know, Jason Spetz is someone that was, he was below that line for a few years. He looked like he was fading away. And now all of a sudden this year, he's scoring some highlight real goals and putting up points, which everybody's putting up points in, in Toronto right now. But um, yeah. so it's, it's cool to see the guys that are on the, the real elite level. Um, so I want to say, who, who would you say, give me two of your top, guys right now if you were to pick two guys that are the best veterans in the nhl i'm gonna put i mean ovechkin and crosby probably ovechkin i mean he finally he won a cup he's just he's you know like fourth all time in scoring he's just the heart and soul of that team still and he just he's so much energy and he's still like you know you know he gets a lot of like people say oh he sits in his office you know he's only scores one-time goals but like he just makes so many good moves and he really still plays at both ends of the ice and like i just for what he is and how long he's played and it's just really he's a fun guy to watch and then i mean crosby just like i just he's one of the best i think pure like skater edge kind of um 
hockey players of all time. And, and then his just his hands are unbelievable, and he's always going to make anyone on his line, you know, better and bring people up. And being a captain, you know, he's someone I think I didn't love early on, but just have come to respect him a lot. So I I put those two guys up top, you know, pretty naturally given their kind of uh, pedigree and then also like their high draft pick and the, their careers overall too, and they're still kind of you know really up there. Yeah. I, Crosby's an interesting one because he has he hasn't had a great year. Uh, the Penguins have kind mm-hmm. of been up and down, but we know what he can do. And seeing some of the plays he can make, still, um, I still think he is an elite player. Ovechkin just doesn't seem to be stoppable. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Madonna, where he, we know he's a high level scorer and player, but he also had to adapt a little bit of, bit of a defensive role in order to win that cup. And that was the the next level the Capitals need to make. I mean, they were the they were the team that just was never going to make it and win. You know, they were always the team that came came up short, and it's because they didn't adapt that. And it, it reminds me a ton about how Ken Hitchcock back with Madonna was like, look, you need to play this two-way hockey or we're not going to win the cup. And he, he bought in and adapted it, and they won the cup. And that's exactly what Ovechkin did um, in order to win their, their cup and become a true captain. Um, and who cares yeah. if he stays in his spot? He still scores from that spot, which is so mm-hmm. unreal to think that, you know he's going to take a one-timer. You know that's where they're looking, and he still scores. And I know that you yeah. can't just shut him off because then the other four guys are going to you know, beat you on four on three. But it's unreal to see that he can still score, and I think he's one of the best uh, pure scorers of all time. He's got 113 game-winning goals, which I didn't realize, um, which is fourth all-time in the entire history of the NHL, which is crazy to think back to – the days when Gretzky and them were playing and they were scoring three times as many goals to think that he can be all the way up on that list and game winning goals and find a way to score at clutch moments. Um, he's got 713 total. Um, and something that interested me, which uh, I didn't think would be true is he's a plus 72 in his career. You know, I know he scores yeah. a lot of goals. So, I mean, 65 in one season is insane. He's 40 goal seasons in his, in his career. Um, 65 one season. So it, it makes sense that he'd be plus, but he also was not the best defensive player. So you'd think he'd have more of a, of a minus on there. I'd think he'd be lower, you know, in the 10 to, to 15 range in his career, but plus 72 is, is pretty insane. So I agree hundred percent on that. Um, some other names for me, uh, Patrick Kane has been argued this past few weeks oh, yeah. a lot as the greatest U S born player of all time, which <clears throat> I disagree, but I think that, I think that he, he might be the best right now. Um, of, Same. Of you're going to put Brett, Brett Hole up there, right? Yeah, Brett yeah, Hole's yeah. Your, your... for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh, right now, if you were to look at who's who's better, especially looking at this season, Kane is probably the top of the list. Um, some stats for him. He's got 400 goals, just scored his 400th this week. Uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion. He's won the Hart, the Art Ross, the Conn Smythe, the Ted Lindsay, and the Calder Trophy. Um, and he's already got 37 points in 25 games this year. Um, he's leading the charge for the Hawks team. That's surprising a lot of people and kind of the opposite of Ovechkin where if you're to look at Kane, I mean, he's got 400 goals, so he can score goals, but he's probably yeah. one of the best passers in the NHL, uh, which is crazy mm-hmm. to think that he's still scoring 400 and he has 659 assists. Um, so I think he's one of the best right now to, to do it. Um, and one that doesn't come as a surprise to anybody, but one that, that is, you know, not a surprise as an elite player, but it still surprised me how how high level he's been. And I know we're talking Tuukka Rask, so we're talking Boston 
defense, which we mm-hmm. know is fantastic. They're always good defensively. So give him a little bit of a boost over some other players like Carey Price, where he's going to have some some easier games and maybe some less intense scramble modes. Um, but Rask stats, 299 wins, approaching the 300 mark, 50 shutouts in his career. He's a .921 save percentage. The interesting part about that, he's never gone below a 900 save percentage, not once. Looking at almost every other goalie in the league, they've had at least one year where maybe it was injuries or maybe it was not playing well or their team wasn't playing well. Even if Boston wasn't an elite team, he was not below a 900, which is incredible to think, um, the consistency that he's able to, to, to deliver um, for his entire career. Also a Stanley Cup champion, um, won the Vesna Trophy. So he's done it all. I think that that's, that's my list of, of the top guys. Um, you know, some other names that come up, there's a, there's a bunch. I'm just going to list some off here. Joe Pavelski, um, Alexander yeah. Radulov, Shea Weber, um, Jason Spezza we mentioned, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Henrik Lundqvist, obviously hoping that he's able to come back and keep playing, but he's got to be one of the best ever. Um, then you got guys like a little bit lower on the list probably, but guys like Giordano, Kessel, Wheeler, Edler that are still doing it. Um, and then another Kopitar. one, yeah, Kopitar is another one. Drew Doughty's teammate, both of them been been delivering for a long time. Steven Stamkos is one that's um, maybe underrated, and maybe because he missed a bunch of time last year, but he uh, he's still delivering. He's got a ton of goals this year. Uh, Duncan Keith is still one of the best penalty killers in the game for Chicago. It feels like he's been that in Chicago for forty years, um, along with you know the Taves and Kane, Seabrook. Seabrook just retired, so he was another one. But a lot of those guys just don't seem to age. Um, and Joe Thornton, I think, <laughs> leads the way because I think he's the oldest on this list. Um, and people really think that he's going to play till he's 50, which I just, <laughs> I can't imagine coaching at the age of 50, but I imagine playing in the NHL at this level and this speed till the age of 50 is just incredible. Um, so a lot of guys that, that are able to do it, a lot of these guys too don't seem to be right at the end. You know, if you're looking at the list, these guys look like they have some years left. Not a lot of them, maybe Lundqvist yeah. because of his injuries, but not a lot of these guys are fading, which is really interesting to see. So um, always fun to watch the, the guys, especially uh, when they win a cup finally. Like Ovechkin took so long to win that cup. you oh got gosh, guys that have yeah. never won a cup um, that are on this list. Pavelski's one of them that comes to mind that's never won a cup. Stamkos just won his first. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you hope to see those veterans succeed and – Another one that that kind of comes to mind, Ben Bishop, also Hudobin. I mean, both guys in Dallas are veteran goalies that are still playing at a high yeah. level. Bishop, if he can ever stay healthy. Um, but, you know, it's just fun to see those guys win and, and succeed at this level. So hopefully they have some years to come and they're able to keep going. Um, but let's move on here. Uh, another point that I want to bring up, I don't want to get too deep into it because it can get political and, and deep. But I just want to bring it up. Artemi Panarin had... Uh, a kind of a scare pop up. I think it was about a week ago now where all of a sudden out of nowhere, one of his old coaches in, in Russia uh, brought reported that there was some allegations about um, sexual abuse with a, with a young girl when he was playing back in Russia. Now, if you don't know, Panarin had recently spoken out publicly against the current leader in Russia. Again, not we're not going to get political here, but so a lot of people think that, I mean, immediately the responses were, this is false. And if you know the NHL and teams in the NHL, usually they're very safe about those situations. You know, something comes up and it's like, this guy did this. 
we're going to take a look. We're going to step back. He's going to take time away from the team, and we're going to look into it. That's usually the response because you want to be safe. You don't want to take a stand and then be wrong. The Rangers immediately backed Panarin and said, this is not true. We're going to do whatever we can to make sure he's not. we figure out that how, you know, prove that it's not true. Panarin's going to take a little bit of time away from the team. The NHL also backed him immediately. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the situation and how crazy is it that it's something like a political stance? I mean, especially somewhere like it's Russia, you know, not to not to say anything bad about Russia, but there's a whole lot of difference between someone like, you know, Ryan Reeves takes a knee during the national anthem. He's not going to get, you know, there's no risk to his health. There's no risk to his family. People have reported things that, you know, I remember there's a basketball player way back in the day that was from Russia that was afraid to go home for uh, any time after he made a statement similar to this political statement because he feared for his life and he feared for his family. So what, you know, what is it, what does this mean for Panarin? How long do you think he's going to stay away? What is the situation, you know, got to feel like for a player like that? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting because the, the NHL more than any other sport, you know, obviously there's a lot of domestic kind of dispute and civil unrest that the, you know, NHL, I think an NBA has done an amazing job kind of stepping up and bringing light, you know, and be, go, stepping beyond their, their roles as athletes and really admire what they do. But I, I think the NHL is so interesting because it has this international kind of um, venue and, and more international players and, and to kind of navigate that is really difficult. And I think for Panarin to, you know, speak out, against his whole, you know, country and then stand up and then for everyone to take his back is, is just pretty special. You know, um, I, I wonder what's going to happen. I, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's a you know different situation. There's been, especially with, you know, today in COVID and the whole kind of how visa and, and it works, you know, I think of like guys like Bobby Probert that weren't allowed to cross the U S Canadian border. And, you know, that was for drugs, but right. <laughs> this is like, I mean, I think this is, you know, a scary situation and I, you know, hope the best for him um, and really just hope the whole situation in general, because obviously, you know, we don't want to have sports create a tenuous relationship, you know, between two countries. Um, and so I, I really, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I hope it kind of uh, ends up, you know, finding the truth, hopefully in Panarin kind of favor uh, if, if so. And, and hopefully, you know, doesn't, interrupt any you know kind of international relationships or with the game in general but it's gonna be interesting yeah absolutely and he was he was just getting going too he kind of had i think he had a little bit of a slow start but he was just starting to play well for the rangers they were scoring a bunch of goals so we hope to see him back soon Um, again i'm not taking a stand but it's it's pretty it seems like when league and teams take that much of a stand they're very you know confident that it's not true um so Mm -hmm. if it isn't i hope it's as quick as possible it gets solved and he gets able to play back and not worry about it. But this, this kind of stuff reminds me of, you know, just how little we know about international relations and things like that. You know, when I'm reading, I'm reading this book, you know, of miracle, uh, miracles of man. What is it? Winter is the, is the book. Yeah. Um, and seeing what, you know, can happen in different places where they're a little less stable with their, uh, with their governments, things like that. You had players back in the day for the, the miracle team, um, for the, the Soviets that played the, the U S getting like threatened their lives. If they were trying to go to the NHL or they mm-hmm. were stuck stuffed in college dorm rooms for three quarters of this of the year to train eight hours a day, not able to see their families. And so you got things that are, we just don't know. And we, we don't understand a lot of the situations that are happening. So really hope for the best hope that there's no further issues and he's able to get it figured out um, on that end. But 
just something I wanted to bring up because it's such a crazy situation. Um, we'll see how it develops over the over the time. But wow, that was weird. I just said over the time, and I didn't even mean to. But we're going to go into talking about overtime here, so maybe that was a, <laughs> mentally in the back of my head. But so this is something I was trying to find this for it um, because I know I've heard I've heard Razor for the Stars talk about it on a broadcast a couple times of the p- percentage of games that go past sixty minutes that end in a shootout versus overtime, and I've changed switch to three on three um we get a lot more in overtime than we used to and because i'm such a huge fan of three on three overtime except when the stars are playing because that's just an absolute nightmare (laughs) but any other game every time i see two minutes left in third period or tied in the third i'm like oh let me throw this game on maybe get us because it's thing most recently a couple nights ago watched the the hawks and it was just incredible back and forth four two-on-ones back and forth two breakaways and just awesome things but my question is are you seeing a trend of it getting a little more boring most of the time because what I'm seeing a little bit more of is the pulling the puck back out the center ice and regrouping and to your goalie and regrouping and pulling it back out and changing and doing circles around the offensive zone. And a lot of games that I'm watching are not ending in overtime, including that game, the the, the Hawks game. So are you seeing a trend a little bit where maybe the NHL players are getting too good and too, you know, worried in overtime to lose. So they're not, it's not as crazy and back and forth. I don't, I don't think so. I think overtime is so, I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, I, I think to go to four and four would be despicable at this point after seeing how awesome three on three can be. And then just to go straight to a shootout or, you know, I just think there's no better alternative. And I think so many of those games are so exciting and and so back and forth, you know, and, and the fact that they moved the whole all-star game to three on three, I think is, is just so awesome. Um, I, I think that, I think that they're just getting better at overtime. And I think it's kind of like how we're kind of seeing the power play strategies for entering the zone change a little bit with that drop pass. You know, I, I think that the regroup and the overtime is, is people are just figuring out how to do it. And it maybe it takes a little more time and maybe there's less kind of scoring opportunities, but I just think it's, it, it's built into more kind of strategic part of the game, you know, versus a shootout where there's not too much strategy and you put your best shooters out. But I think overtime is teams are figuring out how, maybe how to win a little bit. And maybe, maybe we, you know, I, I haven't delved into the stats too much, but it'd be interesting to see, you know, what, what are the best overtime teams and, you know, how, and kind of watch them a little bit more, see some more film, you know, I'm, I'm no expert, but I'd be interested to ask, you know, players and, and coaches kind of like how their overtime strategies have developed over time. And you've probably seen more games this season than I have. And so I'd be interested to hear, you know, do you think that maybe they're just getting better at it? I think is really maybe why it's quote unquote less exciting, but it's just been more of a kind of even, even keeled game. Yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm not suggesting we, we take it away or anything like that. Cause it can be so yeah, exciting. Yeah. My, my biggest worry is our players getting too good at certain situations because, you know, NHL players nowadays are so highly trained mentally, physically, everything and there's all kinds of conversations we can have. We can dive into should goals be bigger because goalies are too good now. Should goalies pa- remember the goalies pads were reduced back like ten years ago? Um, goals yeah. were, were remember wider. Luongo. Yeah. yeah, you got players who were wearing. I mean, Razor always talks about it in Stars broadcasts how the NHL goalies are still allowed to wear that cheater, which is the bottom part of the glove that doesn't actually protect anything. It just adds like width to the glove because they have padding underneath it. He's been trying to get rid of that for like five years. So. There's 
there's all kinds of questions of like, how do we get ahead of players being too good? Because as much as we love, you know, the, the sport of hockey, and maybe if you're a player, you're a little less on the fence of it. But if you're a fan, you want entertainment, you know, especially as a casual fan. If I'm going to watch a game on NBC on a Sunday, I want that game to be 5-4. I don't want that game to be one nothing, and the goalie has 36 saves. It's just not the same. And so that kind of goes into overtime a little bit where the first few years were wild three-on-three overtime. It was breakaway, two-on-one, three-on-two, two-on-one, four-on-o. I mean, not four because he only had three. Three-on-o. Goalies were, were coming out and playing the puck. They were catching it and trying to release it quickly. It was super fast and exciting, and there was barely any whistles. All of a sudden, now I'm seeing it, and maybe it's just my luck with games I've watched the last two years, but I'm seeing five minutes of two chances maybe and a team just kind of keeps the puck for two minutes skates around passing doing the same circles over and over again and then let's regroup and change do it over again regroup and change so i'm just trying to the only reason i bring it up is because i would love to see the nhl figure out ways to get ahead of this kind of stuff because i think one way to do it is to get rid of the shootout and we've kind of been talking about that for a while in as you know hockey fans if you get rid of the shootout yeah. and it's just continuous three on three even if they're playing all, you know, perfect and well for a little bit, they're going to get tired within six minutes and it's going to start getting sloppy and there's going to be some breaks. So, you know, just just wanted to bring it up and, and hope that this gets back to more exciting stuff. And it, it, I think this year it's even more important to win games. Uh, you know, it might not end up being points that decides the playoffs, depending on what happens with COVID. But you're playing all your division like we've talked about a bunch of times. So it's really important to get that second point. So maybe they're playing a little more safe and trying not to give up that odd man rush, but I just, I miss it as a fan, you know, watching a game team. I don't really necessarily care about. I miss watching those crazy back and forth. And I'm really glad I got to do it. As soon as I made these notes for the podcast, I watched that lightning game and it was hectic back and forth. Um, yeah. So kind of ate my words on that one, but we'll see. <laughs> well, hopefully it gets a little bit better. I'm going to keep looking for those stats. Cause I'm really interested to see if, if more games, this past two years have gone to shoot out than they had in the recent few years of since we three on three was introduced. Cause I really think they have, um, especially this year, I've seen a ton of shootouts this season. I think we had eight mm -hmm. games that ended in a shootout this last week, one night. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens there, but overtime is awesome. Don't, don't get rid of it. Don't bring them back to four on four. That was, that was garbage. Uh, keep the three on three. I mean, we're going to see, if we get some more, more complaints, maybe Batman will move it to two on two. All of a sudden, it's going to be a one on one uh, gladiator <laughs> situation like lacrosse does in, you know, over time. It's horrifying. Um, goalies are going to be skating out. It's yeah, cool. goalies start skating out. They they can th get a stick thrown from the bench so they can get a slapper in. But all of a sudden, it's going to be uh, <laughs> the goalie from Mighty Ducks doing the, <laughs> the slap shot. Oh, my God. But anyway, so. Last two topics here. Uh, this wasn't actually on the list that we were going to talk about, but I just thought of this this morning. And knowing you know, knowing that you're in the in the medical field, I wanted to bring it up. So, Rope Hands for the Stars has been battling injuries since he uh, awkwardly went sliding into the boards last year in, in Stanley Cup Finals. He was full health coming into the season. Now all of a sudden he's in and out of the lineup, and in a weird weird you know situation. Jim Nill, the, the general manager, actually addressed the media about it, which this year they're not doing anything. They're just, you know, this guy's day-to-day -day with blank. They don't even tell you what it is. They don't tell you how long, um, kind of protecting the players from from COVID and stuff like that. But he said, Rope Hintz is going to miss some time for the rest of the season. He's going to be in and out of the lineup. He cannot hurt it anymore, 
whatever it is. So he's going to be in and out of the lineup, but he wants to fight through it. So your take, my only knowledge of that is, and I think of Miracle when, you know, he get the, the thigh bruise and he plays through it. What kind of injury could be if it's a lower body injury? What could he have possibly, you know, what are the options if he's playing through it? Maybe it's something that requires surgery, but he doesn't want to do it now. What kind of things could he be fighting through that would keep him out of the lineup where he's playing, you know, last night he, he's playing. He looks 100% when he plays. He's flying. He, he plays well. But then he gets too sore the next day and he's not able to play in the next game. So what kind of things could that be, you know, your knowledge? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I would be speculating at best. And, and I think there's a lot of injuries that could cause someone to be in and out. Um, you know, obviously there's the kind of more like muscular, muscular kind of strains, um, you know, having someone with hamstring or calf Achilles kind of tendonitis or something like that, um, that could cause you, you know, to kind of aggravate that. And it could, it, that's something that I guess could get worse, you know, um, or, you know, or it could be something where he's maybe got, you know, like ankle instability, something like that. I, I hopefully it's nothing, you know, worse that's going to influence him kind of long term, um, you know, like ligaments in his knee or anything. But I don't think they would have him playing on something like that. Um, I don't, I honestly, I would be uh, remiss to say though. I, I think it's, I'd have to watch him, you know, play and maybe see where he was kind of looks weak or anything. But I yeah. think all guys in the NHL you know, or just who played hockey for 20, 30 years are going to be a little banged up and have something that they're kind of milking and, and at the level and speed that they play to kind of, and to bring it every night, you know, in and out day in day out is, is really hard. And so it's just, it's pretty amazing all the guys that do stay healthy. Um, and then for him, somebody that is kind of battling injuries to even be in. So hopefully, you know, I wish the best cause he's, I think kind of an up and coming player that we all love to watch and, you know, his goal the other night, um, against the oh god who were they who did he just had an amazing play columbus um yeah columbus was just you know showing the skill that he has especially a young guy you hope that injuries don't kind of damper the season but i don't know yeah i, I really wouldn't be able to say yeah yeah it's i just figured I, nobody knows so it's not like there was an answer i was expecting no. i was just curious if you had thoughts coming from the medical field because the only thing I can think is that there's something that requires a surgery. Nothing serious. Obviously, wouldn't play on it if it was a mm-hmm. ligament or anything, but something that might require some kind of surgery. And it kind of reminds me, Hudobin played through um, numbness in his hand where it was really hard for him to grip his stick in the Stanley Cup final. And then he required you know, some, some low-risk surgery at the end of the season. So maybe it's something like that where there's some numbness or some soreness that comes up. But it's just super interesting to see someone say so early in the year, I want to play through it. I might be in and out of the lineup. That's such a weird thing that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And um, I really, you know, I'm assuming that means that in order to, to get the surgery or whatever to recover, it's probably a couple months. Cause otherwise, why wouldn't you, if it was two weeks, why wouldn't you step out and fix it? Yeah. Um, but it'd just be interesting to see how he does it. Cause there, it's funny to watch him play where he looks a hundred percent and you know, hints flies. So he's flying mm-hmm. over the ice. He's scoring goals. He's faster than every player on the ice in, in most games. And then next game he's out body injury it's just it's just a very interesting situation to monitor um it'll be interesting to see what if they get to the playoffs um you know right now we don't have to worry about that but hopefully it turns around and they get there and what happens in that point because then it's not like you can't just rest your guy every every two games in the playoffs so that'll be something to keep an eye on but let's move into our final segment this is a new one uh we'll put some twists on it but this is a fun one i wanted to do for you just to kind of loosen up a little bit, throw some, throw some fun stuff out there. We're going to do some rapid fire questions for, uh, for my man, Warren here. So I got 15 questions I'm going to ask you. 
I'm going to ask them quick. Don't think about the answer. Give me your first answer um, right right away, okay? Got it. All right. Hit me with it. All right. Would you rather be a fourth-line forward or a starting goalie? Ooh, starting goalie. Would you rather live in Minnesota or Michigan? Uh, Got to go with the hand, Michigan. Who has a better chance of winning the cup, Buffalo or Ottawa? Ottawa, all day, every day. Dave Matthews Band or OAR? OAR. Got to go with the boys. What do you miss more, hockey on Versus or ESPN? Oh, ESPN. The the, the song, you know. D1, Such a good theme song. D1, Can't bring it up. Oh, D1 or D2, Mighty Ducks? Uh, D1, the OG. First one. Uh, this is not a hockey question, but what's your favorite animal for sharks or dolphins? Oh, dolphins. Yeah, Ooh, they're way better. Yeah, I think right. so. Joe Sackick or Mike Bonato? Sackick. Oh, God. Sorry, Joe. Nice. Sorry. Cut him off. Cut him <laughs> off here. Let's. Can we lose him here? Can we cut him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, surgeon or surfer? Uh, God, I got to help people. Surgery. Right. Roller hockey or ice hockey? Ice. Jeez. Don't even ask me that question. Get what's that your, out of here. What's your favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving. The food and the pie. The Ooh, people. It's great. All right. Gary Bettman or Roger Goodell? Oh, God. Gary, for sure. Roger, just come on, man. With the whole <laughs> the kneeling situation, just garbage. I mean, any commissioner, I think, is... I love the NBA commissioner. I think he just looks awesome. He's just kind of like bald and crazy. But. <laughs> All right. Rain or snow? Snow, because it means there's frozen ice out there somewhere. I like that. Zetterberg or Datsuk? Datsuk, man. That's a hard question, but Datsuk, just unbelievable. All right, last one. Brett Hole, Stanley Cup winner. Good goal or should have been called off? It's a good goal. Got to get the yeah. stars. 99 Cup. Called it yeah. back. We can, we, can, we want him back here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Oh, my God. Good, man. That was How did I do? Did I pass? You passed. Do I, I mean, come I, back next week? Madonna right. was the only one I almost just pulled the mic out from you um on that one but yeah so that that's what we'll do each week we'll do some rapid fire questions if we have some other guests we'll do it i kind of want to throw that at bull because he's he yeah. kind of gets a little nervous so i feel like it'd be really funny to see what answers came out and if you're listening bull what's yeah. up buddy um but that's a fun one so i wanted to end on a, on a high note there but warren thanks so much for doing this again man this was this was super fun yeah hey anyone that listens to this tweet at sam nestler you know, give him some contention. Tell him that he sucks at hockey or, or that he has no idea what veterans he's talking about or, or give him some ideas for the next rapid fire. But we'd love to hear from you and and uh, check out Sam Nessler's blog too. I'm going to do the shameless plug for you. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the new Slapshot Sammy podcast. Check it out on Spotify. And thank you guys so much. We'll see you next week.